Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the feature staff at the Columbus Dispatch, this is Life in the 614. Hi, and welcome to Life in the 614, the official lifestyle podcast of the Features Department at the Columbus Dispatch. Coming to you every Thursday. If it sounds like fun, we'll be talking about it. I'm Ryan Smith, Assistant Features Editor at the Dispatch, and I'm here in studio today with my colleague, columnist Joe Blundo. We're here to talk today about food. For our stomachs and for our souls. First, our bellies, which we'll be happy to know that there will be plenty of goodies available at this weekend's Columbus Italian Festival at St. John the Baptist Church. That's Friday through Thursday. As they say, when in Rome, eat. For my four-year-old and anyone else who's young at heart, Easton Town Center is hosting the Mac and Cheese Festival from 4 to 8 Friday. Columbus restaurants will prepare macaroni and cheese dishes as part of a fundraiser for the Ohio State Comprehensive Cancer Center. To help the soul, how about a little soul music? The Harlem Gospel Choir performed on Good Morning America after the death of Aretha Franklin, and they'll be putting on a show at the Lincoln Theater at 8 p.m. Friday night. Someone who knows a lot about music as the food of the soul is Andreas Lopera. He's the new assistant conductor for the Columbus Symphony Orchestra and music director for the CSO Youth Orchestra. Joe's daughter is an alum of the group, by the way. A native of Colombia, Andreas has a series of concerts coming up, including the CSO's Concerts for Kids Monster Bookie on October 14th at the Ohio Theater, and the CSO Youth Orchestra concert November 4th at the Davidson Theater. Hi, Andreas. Thanks for joining us today. Hello. Pleasure to be here. So I know you do a lot for the CSO, but I think we're most interested today in talking about your work overseeing the Columbus Symphony's youth orchestras. Maybe we can begin by you just giving us a little bit of an overview of what it is and, you know, for listeners who might not be familiar. Well, I'm very excited to be here and to be working with the community, both as part of the CSO and the CSO Youth Orchestra. It's a very beautiful program that we have there because it includes kids in many different stages of their music learning from the very, very, almost kind of very beginning to the much more advanced kids. I get the pleasure to work with the bigger, more advanced kind of kids in the youth orchestra, but I oversee everything else. We really think that those kids can do a lot, not only as great musicians that they are, but as a great musical leaders in our community. I think more than playing beautiful music, they have the responsibility to advocate for what we do, since it's something that is so beautiful and uh, they have such talent and so passion for all of the things that we that we get together. So it's just been kind of a blessing to be working with them. It's great. You use the phrase musical leader. What do you mean by that? And, you know, how does that impact change in our community? Well, part of my ideas and things that we're trying to develop is just to understand that every skill set sometimes that you get in your life comes as a responsibility. And the responsibility that you have is kind of to share it. And what a better thing to share than music. It's also sometimes for some people a privilege to be able to study music and not everybody has that. So if you have had it, to be able to go to the community 
and show them what you can do and and show how beautiful music is and i think those kids can do it and do it in daily basis so we're trying to maximize that passion in order to impact the community even bigger even better than we have been doing it before and who are these kids can you maybe share some stories of some of the musicians that you've had a chance to meet and work with yeah especially for my orchestra they're kids mostly around the ages of uh, i will say 14 to 17 years old they come from all over the columbus metro area and even beyond some kids come from quite far away and they come meet with us to play music they are required to have a private teacher and they go through a rigorous process of auditions to be able to have this show us that they have the skill set for specific different levels of groups. But once they are there, all of these kids, they play and they're required to play in their ensembles at school, which is another thing that we really believe that with the training that we give them also as part of the Columbus Youth Symphony and being working so hand in hand with the professionals of the Columbus Symphony Orchestra is to be able to kind of bring that also to the schools and to their communities. So we all create this big musical family. Hi, Joe Blondo here. I just wondered, did you have the opportunity when you were that age to play in that kind of an orchestra? My first experience playing with an orchestra, I was actually in college. I was uh, I was not in a youth orchestra at the beginning because I'm from a little tiny town in Colombia. I wasn't even from a city. I moved, when I moved to the city, when I moved to Medellin, is when I had the opportunity to start playing with bigger, fuller ensembles. You and I actually share something very close and dear in common, I understand. I grew up playing the trombone. Mm -hmm. Now, in my case, I chose it because my parents told me I had to play an instrument, and I thought it would be easier to play something that didn't have any buttons. Um, (laughs) Can you share the story of of how you came to play the trombone? Well, that was very interesting. Um, When I was in Colombia, I grew up in this little town called Don Matias, Antioquia, and they have this program that it was kind of a governmental program to reduce violence in these type of towns and just bringing music will reduce violence and it did significantly. So I basically was walking to the park with my brother and one of his friends and she told my brother if he wanted to join the band and he's like, oh no, but my brother will do it. And I ended up going there. We used to sing all the time when I was little in the house reunions and all of this. So I went there and they said, what instrument do you want to play? And I didn't know any instruments. <laughs> I also don't come from my f- a musical family or something like that. And they basically said, we have trombone, take it or leave it. Uh, this is the way that you got to do it. And it was a blessing on these guys. It was uh, the best thing that could possibly happen, especially to me, even as a conductor, because trombones, we read in all the clefs. We read in a bass, tenor, treble clef, in, all, in alto clef, all of them. You get to play in classical music, church choirs, you can play in salsa bands, reggae bands, and I played it in everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, it was really good because, I mean, you got a gig around to make music a living. And then conducting came because of the... Because I like to be a leader. I like to put projects together because I really kind of want to know more. So I started studying strings and I started like getting more into it. In fact, my first job in Colombia as a conductor was as music director of one of the string programs uh, for El Sistema, which is kind of El Sistema is a project for uh, teaching music for kids 
with difficult economical situations and basically also they spread all around in every kind of background to put everybody together. So I got the chance to work with them and it was just the beginning of keeping and going with conducting. How would you say your background has influenced the way that you interact with youth orchestras like this? I've just been around youth a lot. And um, I mean, there's such a charm in working with youth orchestra that is really beautiful because sometimes you get to them and um, and sometimes they don't have this skill yet, but you're presenting this piece and it's a beautiful piece and they're crazy about it. And then you have to communicate all your passion about it because it's a piece that has survived hundreds and hundreds of years of people listening to it and yet still here, still present, still relevant to the community and you get to play it. It's really cool. <laughs> so we work with them on that and then it's really kind of fun when you see how they get like those click moments where their eyes just shine and then kind of like we get it and we did it together and it just sounds and it all of the music comes together. It's just really nice. Do you get equal numbers of players for each instrument? In other words, is there ever a time when you say, oh, no, we don't have enough bassoons, people who want to play bassoon? Well, definitely in all of the other orchestras, in the cadet orchestra, we can always use more wind players. And mm -hmm. it's always, this is, I will take advantage of this time as an invitation to all of the community to just come and, and be part of our ensembles. We have a lot to offer, and we will like to embrace you for any kind of background of music that you come, just come and We'll see what can we do. But yes, especially sometimes in the brass, because kids start learning different instruments at different ages. Usually string players start a little bit earlier, very early sometimes. And sometimes when you start with brass and woodwinds, you start a little, a little bit later in your life. So it's always interesting to find the place where you are in your life and the place that you are with your skill to put it all together. But uh, in terms of numbers, yeah, it's usually kind of even, but you always can get much, much better. How do you tailor the repertoire and what you ask of them to their skill sets and to their interests? So for me, uh, especially with the first concert that we're going to do right now with the youth orchestra on November 4th, the idea, we, we created this concert that is an American music concert, basically. We're going to play Dance in the Cambridge by Florence Price. It's a very not complicated, not too complicated piece of music, but Florence Price was the first African-American woman composer that was recognized at the beginning of the 1900s. Her music was played by Boston Symphony Orchestra, Chicago Symphony, and I think it's a beautiful message to start with, with one of her pieces, and she's going to get, start being re rediscovered. And then we're going to play Appalachian Spring by Aaron Copland, which is a very intricate piece, and for them some parts have been quite a challenge to understand intonation, to understand newer music, to understand all of the images that you want to portray with the, this particular piece of music. And, you know, we have that beautiful part of the simple gifts uh, that is um, so attached to the American culture. Um, and it's going to sound very beautiful, so come there. And then we finish with a uh, Vorjak Symphony Number no. 9 uh, from The New World which is another great classic. It's a little bit more to create the sound of the orchestra. Since this is my first concert with them, not kind of knowing them too much, so I wanted to create something in different skill levels to see 
how can all thrive in different parts and then keep moving from there. This particular concert, we're also doing um, this very exciting thing that I isn't. We're gonna present an anchor, which is gonna be a surprise, but it's also very challenging, <laughs> and is one anchor piece. But we also extended an invitation to all of our alumni to um, come and see if they wanna bring their instrument, come to two rehearsals and play the anchor with us. It's going to be really cool. And part of this, again, is creating the um, the CSO family from the youth orchestra to the professional orchestra to what all we do. And I think alumni are so important. And this is the first time that we're getting them together for this. I'm just very excited to have the chance to meet them. So we're going to do a get-together tomorrow, Thursday, at Sons Brewery, if I remember correctly. And it's going to be a get-together just to have a beer and talk and see how their experience has been shaped somewhat by the youth orchestra. Because these kids that are now there, it's a big part of their life. They have, have dedicated to music. And then uh, that will be the end of our, our program. So that's how I kind of organize sort of the repertoire through that's sort of my thinking for this first concert. And you mentioned the alumni. Where do musicians tend to go when their time with the Youth Symphony Orchestra is over? Do many of them stay in music or is that just a part of their lives that they move on to other things? You know, there's a beautiful, beautiful question because music, what it does to you as a person and what it does in your brain can count for many, 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 many different professions and directions in your life. I don't discourage necessarily that the kids go to music, but I also don't encourage it. You have to be really persistent and you have to work really hard to get to a, be a professional musician and then they can do it or not if they feel like that's their call. But uh, not all of them go to be professional musicians and we just want them to be the best people in the society and music brings you that music brings you to concentrate at home when you really have to practice those parts from yourself and you really have to dedicate one or two hours just to sitting by yourself with that piece of music and learning it which is difficult for kids nowadays with all of the distractions all the cell phones all the computers all of this stuff that is happening all around it to be able to have that internal moment where you just sit and study is something that is very valuable and you're going to apply to any career that you can do in your life. Then when you get into a music collective, like in an orchestra, it's like if you were working in any other business, everybody has a very specific part that they are providing, but in terms of difference than any other workplace, where you are one part of the kind of the thing, and then you see the product come along in another, it kind of like in another part. Here we're all producing that and you see the sound coming out of yourself, and you see this being presented to the audience, and you see how all of the audience get an emotional response to this and um, I don't know it's, there's a lot of skill sets in music that you can apply to other areas and that's what we want the kids to also try to experience while we have them there. Do you have any Columbus Symphony musicians who have kids who are in the youth orchestra? It just occurred to me to wonder that. I may have I'm still getting to meet everybody yeah. it's just yeah. a very <laughs> it's just a, I'm very new here we yeah. only have been kind of like a month so it's just still getting to, to, to know who's there. Yeah. What other kind of music will you try to expose them to? You have like three concerts this year, right? With you, uh, you. At the moment, we have two main concerts and one that is a concert that all of the youth orchestras play together. We will I only see. play one piece in my orchestra, but mm -hmm. everybody else will, will play. 
Yeah. What other tried music? I'm just still exploring a little bit mm -hmm. on that because for me, it has to come also from the community to see what what can we do to impact the community. I see. I'm just looking to know what, a little bit more about the culture that is happening in Columbus. Definitely want to see what else is out there, kind of like to see if there's some kids that are composers that want to create something that is relatable to something that is from the city. We There's just a big spread of possibilities of, of of the things that we can do and also want to keep meeting the artists in the community and see how can we all together just present great music. I'm also curious, is there a certain type or model of conductor that inspires you? Is there a, maybe a particular figure out there that you look to for inspiration? Well, I think... It's just a combination of different people. Like we walk, we have our walks in life and we end up seeing everybody different, right? And you get to learn this from this person and this from this person and this from this person. And I've been lucky enough from this little tiny town and just flying all all around and getting to know beautiful music and beautiful people. As a conductor, the thing that people always teach you sometimes is you need to learn to hear your voice and to learn how you are making something different from all of this. So to go back to your question, is a combination of learning from a lot of other different conductors that are great, but it's also learning to hear how all of that can come together to yourself and bring in your own voice. And maybe if we could conclude just by talking a little bit more about yourself. You know, we've talked about the, the symphonies here, but tell us just a little bit more about your own journey. You're so young. It's exciting to have <laughs> someone here like that, you know, working with our own youth. Oh, well, thank you so much. How about myself? Oof. <laughs> well, let's start from non-musical aspects. I like to hike. I like to cook at home. I um, like to go on bicycles. I see that you guys have very good bicycle paths here mm -hmm. in the city. Yeah and good parks and I like that I, I like good beer <laughs> and, and there's good beers in town I like to cook at home which is when, whenever I can just cook for my friends and having a lovely evening at home that's kind of like things that I, I enjoy my family very much try to go to Colombia as much as possible in the music career I just keep going whenever I'm invited to create the best music I, I can and I've just been blessed to just be able to get invited to different orchestras and get to share the love of music with different communities and it makes me happy to be here. Also, the work that we're going to be doing with the professional orchestra gets me very excited. We have the Monster Boogie concert, which is the Halloween concert and also gets me really excited because it's working with youth but as an audience and it's also in a different kind of it's in a different kind of plane. Wonderful. Well, we're so glad to have you here, and we look forward to having you make beautiful music for quite some time to come. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to Life in the 614. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, keep enjoying your own life in the 614. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.